，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Washington has approved the first ever military aid assistance to Taiwan under the Foreign Military Financing Program. U.S. President Joe Biden authorized funding of 80 million U.S. or 2.5 billion NT. Taiwan's Defense Ministry thanked the U.S., saying the support would benefit stability and security in the region. Ahead of Armed Forces Day, President Tsai Ing-wen went to the Defense Ministry to commend outstanding officers and soldiers. She gave a special shout out to pilots. Whenever enemy planes enter our ADIZ or approach our airspace, our air force takes to the skies to drive them away. PLA planes have routinely crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait. In a rare move, Taiwan's military released an image of Mirage 2000s closely monitoring enemy jets. It was an effort to boost public confidence. Washington has also ramped up support for Taiwan, according to the Associated Press. The Biden administration has notified Congress that it will provide Taiwan with 80 million U.S. dollars, or 2.5 billion NT, in military aid through the Foreign Military Financing Program. Although the details of the package weren't disclosed, it will very likely include missile defense systems and support training. This is the second special military aid from Washington since July, when Biden used presidential drawdown authority to provide 300 million U.S. dollars in assistance to Taiwan. With regard to the assistance provided by the U.S. in accordance with the Taiwan Relations Act and six assurances, I believe it will be very beneficial for the stability and security of the entire region. The Defense Ministry expresses its gratitude. This has tremendous symbolic significance because it's the first time since the termination of Taiwan-U.S. ties that Washington has used this method to quickly enhance Taiwan's defense capabilities. This is essentially free military aid that can potentially bolster Taiwan's maritime and air surveillance capabilities. Experts say Washington's move is highly significant for Taiwan, reflecting the two sides' increasingly close military relationship. The DPP's presidential campaign team is in place. At a Thursday ceremony, candidate Lai Qingde appointed top staffers at his campaign offices nationwide. Leading his Taipei office is former Health Minister Chen Shizhong. In New Taipei, headquarters will be directed by legislator Yu Tian. A campaign official said the directors were there to bring people together, not to seek political appointments for themselves. The DPP's campaign office leaders converge in Taipei. Presidential candidate Lai Qingde presents each with a certificate of appointment. Traditionally, elections have involved two parties, two major parties facing off. But this election is much more complicated. As a ruling party, we're bound to come under more attacks, so we absolutely can't let our guard down. Leading the DPP's Taipei office is former Health Minister Chen Shizhong. The new Taipei office is headed by lawmaker Yu Tian. National Policy Advisor Fan Zhengshou will direct the Taoyuan office, while lawmaker Tai Chi Chang will direct Taichung. 
In Tainan and Kaohsiung, the offices will be led by each city's mayor, Huang Weizhe and Chen Ximai. Some analysts see Chen Shizhong's appointment as a sign of collaboration between Lai and President Tsai Ing-wen. We all came here today because election season is about to start. It started already, so we need to stand united. I hope our vice president will emerge victorious. Chen Shizhong and Yu Tian were asked if they would be on the DPP's party list. I think you're overthinking this. The heads of the campaign offices are there to bring people together and get things done. It's not about asking for government positions or seeking personal gain. Pan Meng An said the office leaders were eager to support legislative candidates, not to secure positions for themselves. Lai will release his policy proposals starting September, with his first presentation slated for September 6. He's set to unveil his national blueprint gradually while working the campaign trail to keep his lead in the polls. Taiwan has banned the use of generative artificial intelligence to handle confidential government documents, citing data security concerns. The move comes amid the soaring popularity of AI tools like ChatGPT. The executive yuan announced the policy along with other AI use guidelines on Thursday. AI can be used as a tool for cognitive warfare and disinformation attacks, and we need to respond to these possibilities. AI creates potential risks and impacts for the individual, society, and national security. We very much need to prepare for them using our technology, talent, and regulatory frameworks. The first point to note about using generative AI is that it has massive amounts of information, but it doesn't necessarily have accurate views. Any information submitted to the program could have commercial value, so there might be copyright issues. Technology can offer a tremendous wealth of information, but when judgments are to be made, in the end, they still should be made by the human mind. The executive yuan's AI guidelines pertain to use in the public sector. Employees must not use AI for handling confidential documents. They may not ask questions that involve confidential or personal inv information. They must not use AI to replace human analytical thinking. If AI is used, they are to provide appropriate disclosure. Today we take you to an exhibition that delves into the history of fashion in Taiwan. The exhibition showcases over a hundred pieces of apparel, from the days of the Japanese occupation that ended in 1945 and all the way until the 1960s. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang shows us what Taiwan's 20th century fashionistas really look like. Before the 20th century, people in Taiwan wore traditional Qing Dynasty garb. When Japanese colonizers occupied Taiwan in 1895, they banned men from wearing queues and women from binding their feet. Later on, Taiwanese women in the colonial era wore shirts with a skirt or pair of trousers, while wealthy women's clothes were embroidered. When Japan ruled Taiwan, it had its own policies. Japanese colonial rulers emphasized that Taiwanese could gradually switch to wearing different types of clothing. They advocated for allowing Taiwanese to cut their hair, as well as for women to stop binding their feet. During the Japanese colonial rule of Taiwan, they hoped these habits would be eradicated. 
when the Qing dynasty was in power, everyone wore Han-style clothes. But when Japan took over Taiwan, they didn't force people to change their clothing habits abruptly. They still allowed ordinary people to have a lot of choices. So in the exhibition, you can see bridal clothes, robes, and long gowns. You can choose from a selection of kimonos and take photos in this 1930s-inspired photo booth. Several interactive works are also on display. You can choose Chi Pao's and Cheng Sen's and snap photos in this 1930s-inspired photo booth. Inside the room, there is an antique camera and radio, giving people the sense they are traveling back in time. Powered by a hand crank and a presser foot, you can also try this antique sewing machine at the exhibition. The machine is linked to an iPad, so once you use the hand crank and presser foot, your work will be shown on the screen. During World War II, many people made their own clothes. Some worked as home tailors to supplement their income. Therefore, Taiwan's textile industry soared during the late 1950s. Western clothes and Western tailoring can also be seen at this exhibition. During the post-war economic recovery period, everyone went through a difficult time. A sewing machine supported a family and a whole generation. The sewing machine was significant because it meant that women could use it and then give new life to clothes they didn't want by recutting them or using patchwork techniques. They could use their sewing skills to remake clothes for their children. They could also make beautiful clothes to sell. In this exhibition, you can see clothing made out of flower sacks. This exhibition, Changing Washa, is organized by Taipei City Archives. It showcases the changes in Taiwanese fashion from the Japanese occupation to the post-war period in the 1960s. There are over 100 pieces of cultural relics, including embroidered bridal dresses, embroidered cardigans, chi paos and Chinese lotus shoes, robes, tuxedos, school uniforms, and Japanese military uniforms. The hope is that visitors can learn about the transformation of fashion in Taiwan. In the 1960s, due to economic growth, homemade clothes fell out of vogue. Beauty pageants and television became commonplace, which spurred the trend of miniskirts. Why was there a trend of miniskirts and hippies? It was also influenced by the Vietnam War. The whole era and personal preference influenced clothing. Our exhibition this time spans from the late years of the Qing Dynasty, especially the Japanese period from 1895 until the end of World War II and Taiwan's economic recovery in the 1950s and 1960s. The exhibition will be held in Taipei's Nishihonganji Relics Building till October 15th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Junhao in Taipei. Turning to Shanghai, where Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an spent the week attending the annual Twin City Forum. On his last day in the city, Jiang went on a riverside bike ride with young Taiwanese expats. He also met with Taiwanese business leaders in the area. Speaking to media, Jiang said that everybody wants cross-strait peace. He added that Taiwan's people all know which party will be able to achieve it. On his last day in Shanghai, Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an got up bright and early for a bike ride with young Taiwanese expats. The main thing was to hear their opinions and their voices. When it comes to schooling, working, entrepreneurship and raising families and establishing careers, what are the problems that they've encountered? What can the Taipei city government do to help? 
As for the unemployment rate, there are a lot of university graduates here, so it's quite similar to Taiwan's situation. Everyone is also trying to defer graduation as much as possible. Jiang spent the morning along the Huangpu River cycling and chatting about life in Shanghai. The mayor says he hopes to have exchanges like this every year. I'll do everything in my power to make sure the Taipei-Shanghai City Forum continues in the future. At a banquet the night before, Jiang weighed forth on cross-trade exchanges. One day later, Chinese state media Global Times reported that the KMT was well-positioned to foster ties. It also blasted the DPP for obstructing cross-trade development. Everyone wants peace and stability across the strait. As for who can achieve that, I think the people of Taiwan all have an answer in their minds. Xiang avoided sensitive questions during his stay, perhaps because of election concerns. Also visiting China was former KMT Deputy Chairman Andrew Xia. The head of the KMT's Taipei headquarters, Huang Lu Jingru, is said to be planning a visit to Shanghai in mid-September for exchanges with the CCP. During the Twin City Forum, he had no reaction to pro-unification statements made by the CCP. I think that will certainly impact the KMT's performance in the upcoming elections. Only by having goodwill for each other can we gradually fix the relationship. That is why everyone thinks that this year's Twin City Forum could help the KMT in the elections. Views differ sharply over the Twin City Forum, highlighting the yawning gulf between the DPP and KMT. If you ever gotten a non-reserved ticket for the high-speed rail, you'll have noticed your ticket directing you to cars 10 to 12. But that information isn't always accurate. This is because the HSR adjusts the number of non-reserved cars based on passenger volume. To, to prevent confusion, non-reserved tickets are getting an update. Starting this Friday, the tickets will no longer specify car numbers. Instead, passengers will need to rely on station announcement boards to know where to go. This non-reserved ticket is different from before. Can you spot the change? Previously, this ticket indicated that unreserved seats were in cars 10 to 12. Starting September 1st, the ticket will say non-reserved cars only. To know which cars to use, travelers will need to check the departure boards at the station. It'll be more nerve-wracking like this. You might miss the announcement. I think that writing it out on the ticket is better. If you're an older adult, you might find this change troublesome, because perhaps you'll try to memorize the car numbers but forget once you're actually there. The non-reserved cars are either 8 to 12, 9 to 12, or 10 to 12. They're adjusted as needed. I think the new tickets are fine. I look at the boards and pay attention to the announcements anyway, so for me it's not a big deal. Depending on the passenger volume of every trip, the HSR adjusts the number of non-reserved cars, which range from 2 to 8 cars. Tickets have been updated and outdated platform signage removed to prevent riders from misunderstanding and flocking to cars 10 to 12 only. Passengers can check the number of the non-reserved cars on the information panels in the main lobby, at the entrance gates, and on the platform. 
Since the lifting of COVID restrictions, the HSR has been finessing its policy on non-reserved seating, from increasing services and available cars to allowing mobile bookings and redesigning tickets. With domestic tourism recovering fast, the high-speed rail has been put to the test. Mid-Autumn Festival is a mere month away, and it's time for a traditional seasonal treat, the pomelo. New Taipei has teamed up with a local farmers association to highlight the diverse ways to enjoy this Taiwan-grown fruit. Although the pomelo harvest is small this year, due to poor climate conditions, farmers are conjuring up all manners of products. From pomelo fine dining to snacks and soft drinks made with pomelo, there's a sweet and sour pomelo treat for everyone. Sweet and sour pork is elevated by pomelo, while pomelo stewed chicken soup fills the table with a delicious aroma. You can even find pomelo flavored fizzy drinks or make your own at home by mixing crystallized ginger with lemon juice, then adding ice and soda water. It's nearly mid-autumn festival, and New Taipei City Hall is working with farmers associations and businesses to share the delicious taste of pomelo. Our Bali pomelos are very famous nationwide. The evening sunshine makes for a wonderful harvest. Secondly, they have the sea winds blowing in. Thirdly, there's our volcanic rock soil, so they have a very delicious, soft and sweet taste. But the unusual pomelos don't end there. One business has produced a pomelo popcorn. Farmers have produced heart-shaped pomelo, and the harvest has come in early, if a little small, due to unusual weather this year. Our production volume is down about 10% this year, but our pomelos have never been very large, so they taste better. Their sweetness is a level 12 or more. The Farmers Association says that if you're looking for the sweetest, juiciest pomelo, find one with a square, upright shape, a white base, and the general appearance of a rolling Daruma doll. Bonus points if the skin feels smooth. And lastly, go for the smaller, heavier pomelos. The weight indicates their flesh is solid and juicy. Happy Mid-Autumn Festival! Taiwan lifted its sea warning for Typhoon Saola on Thursday as the storm moved out to China. But hot on its heels is tropical storm Haikui, which could trigger a sea warning as early as Friday morning. Haikui should be closest to Taiwan over the weekend. Forecasters say its storm circle could grace parts of Taipei, New Taipei and Jilong. Haikui is currently a tropical storm. As for its intensity, we expect it to gradually intensify, potentially becoming a moderate typhoon by September 1st. The direction of its movement is west-northwest, and it will move into the seas north of Taiwan. Tropical storm Haikui and Typhoon Saola are currently about 1,500 or 1,600 kilometers apart. There's a fair bit of distance between the two of them, but because they're in the sea's monsoon circulation, a small adjustment in any weather system could affect another's trajectory. Besides Saola and Haikui, a third storm is swirling in Taiwan's vicinity. Kirogi formed at 8 p.m. Wednesday, becoming the 12th storm of the year. The Central Weather Bureau says that Kirogi, Saola and Haikui are currently too far apart to affect one another.